because I have a lengthy sermon, I probably will not get to all of this, or I may abbreviate some of it all. I'll just listen to the Holy Spirit as we go along here. The message today, the title of the message is this, Exhortations for Last Times. Exhortations for Last Times. I'm going to be reading today, and what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to instruct you as we go along. Keep your Bible open, or for your convenience, this will be on the screen. We're very blessed today in our modern day. Because in, in ancient times, they simply had to listen. But now we can listen and we can see the Word of God on, on the screen behind us. Today, we're going to hear from an old man. Now, not me. But we're going to hear from a godly old man. He's, he's a man who's lived a very long time. He's probably 85, 90 years old. He walked intimately with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have one of the apostles to come back and to stand and to instruct us? Well, when we read the writings the Holy Spirit gave them, isn't that in a sense what we're doing? We are to listen to the aged. Now, just because you're older doesn't mean you're smart or have wisdom. Some people just are dumb and live a long time, you know. But when someone has lived holy, godly, consecrated, when someone has walked intimate with, intimately with Jesus, we want to listen to the wisdom of the, of the aged. So we have this man. He's an old man. All of his friends, his apostle friends are gone. He's the last one left. His name is John. He first heard the call of God on the shores of Galilee, where we were recently. And he heard those words, follow me. Now, I've been in church long enough to know that we could fill every church in town twice of the people who started but have not continued in this walk. I started, you started, I'm still in the race. How about you? John writes to us in about 90 AD, and he writes to us exhortations, what I will call exhortations for last times. And he's going to give us four exhortations. Now, I may not get to all of these, so if you're, if you're that kind of person that has to fill in the blanks, your pastor said four, and you'll call me this week. Pastor, what's the third one? You know, I have those people call me. You were going to give four, and you only gave two. And literally, they almost can't sleep because they didn't get the fourth one. But John is going to exhort us on four very important things. The first thing that John is going to, and let me just give the objective today. Here's the core of the entire sermon Here's what we're shooting for today is this. Worldliness can lead to waywardness. But if we will listen to the Holy Spirit's wisdom, we will have the kind of walk that pleases God. Now, I'm going to say that again. Worldliness leads to waywardness, means away from God. But if we will listen to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we will have a walk 
that pleases God. Here's the first exhortation. John, the ancient apostle, as an old man, exhorts us about worldliness. 1 John chapter 2, in verse 15, it reads like this. Love not, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, notice this definitive statement. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Many people today profess their love for God but they love the world, so it's a false love. They don't really love God. Notice this, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the, eyes of the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Paul or John is dealing with a all-too-common problem apparently among ancient believers, but also among modern believers. And that's the problem of worldliness. And here is John, and the first thing he does is he denounces the world. Do you know there's very few pulpits today that will do what John just did here? Very few prophets anymore. We've lost most of them. Now, we have talkers. We have speech givers. Where have all the prophets gone? Where are the Johns? John, in this text, which really was his preaching, denounces the world. John was a courageous man. We need courageous men again. We need courageous men sitting on every church pew. Courageous women, and very much like Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, condemned the ancient ungodly world. Very much like the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost when he preached in, in chapter 2 of Acts, verse 40, save yourself from this perverse generation, he says. That's courage right there. And that's what John does. He denounces the world here. He's exhorting us about worldliness. Now, when we talk about the world, we're not talking about trees, wind, land, mountains, streams, birds, whatever. We're not talking about the creation. We're talking about something else. You say, Pastor, what are we talking about? We're talking about when John uses this world, love not the world. He's not saying don't go to the Tetons and, and behold their beauty. Don't go to California and sit on the beaches. Oh, it's no, not talking about that. He's talking about something else. He's talking about a system, a system that is anti-God, a system that is anti-Christ, a system that is organized, led by Satan and demon fallen spirits. You know, that's where our battle is, don't you? Boy, if we could pull back the veil today, if you could pull back the veil and you could see into the spirit realm, you would shudder, you would shudder 
to see the warfare that's going on. Demon spirits controlling people, controlling many of the power structures, many of the organizations in our own nation today. Why? Because there is more than meets the eye. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. Marvin Vincent said it this way, describing the world. He said, it's human life apart from God alienated from God, hostile to God. It's those earthly things that seduce us from God. Kenneth Weiss said this, much of the world's system, listen, much of the world's system is religious, cultured, refined, and intellectual, but it is anti-God and it is anti-Christ. And old John, the old man, says this, don't let the world capture your affections. Don't love the world. Do not love this world. Paul said this. Paul said, set your affections on things above. Set your affections on things above, not on earthly things. Set your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When's the last time you sat around and began to think about heaven? When's the last time? That we as Christians sit around and say, oh, I long to be with Jesus. I long to see my mom and father-in-law. I long to see those people that helped me in my Christian way, and now they're with the Lord. I long to see Miss Maybell. I long to see my secretary of 10 years, Miss Brenda, who died and went to be with Jesus. And I remember there on that, on that Thursday, she came to my office, and we were laughing, and she had this this infectious laugh, and she was laughing, and we, she said something that made us both just, just laugh, almost belly laugh. An hour and a half later, I got a call and said, Brenda's collapsed. Eleven days later, they took her off life support, and she was gone. A faithful, godly woman who helped me in the ministry, now with Jesus. I think about Sister Pat, her sister Pat, Patricia, a missionary to the Marshall Islands, to children, fought cancer for all those years, beat it for so many years, now with the Lord. I think about Joey. After, before every service, Joey didn't say, like the, like the gentleman recently, I'll fight you toe-to-toe. He didn't say that. Joey said this, Joey had the Holy Spirit, and he said, Pastor, how can I help you? At before every service, almost, he come to my office, Pastor, how can I help you? I mean, that's a man with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul said, set your affection on things above. Now, listen to me. Here's a warning. Are you ready? Are you ready for the warning? We need this warning. It's this. There are many things that we can set our affections on that are not evil. But yet they're evil because they take us away from God. That's the hook. You hear me? That's the hook. That's the hook. Many Christian people, they're never going to get involved in some deep, dark, terrible thing. But the enemy, if he can get you involved in something good that seems good and keep your time, all of your time consumed, that you, it pulls your affections away from God, then it becomes an evil thing. See, seemingly innocent things can rob you and I of spirituality. Many believers show greater interest in the ball game. They show greater interest in the shopping. They show greater interest in a thousand different earthly things. But, but the Bible said, Paul said again, 
We'll get old Paul in on this sermon too, not just old John. Paul said, don't, don't look on the things which are seen. It means to gaze on them, to fix your mind. Don't look on the things that you're seen, but look on the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are passing. We're going to see that. But the things which are not seen are eternal. When we open the Word of God and we get our mind on heavenly things, what we're doing is we're, we're setting our mind on the heavenly things. We're setting our, thi- our mind on the, la- the, the, the our eternal things. And so what we have is this. John gives us an exhortation about worldliness, and he denounces the world. Why would John do that? Why would John say, don't love the world, don't let it capture your affections? Why would he do that? And here's the reason why. It's because what the world can do to you and I. I've seen the world, I've seen kids, I've seen families begin to, begin to mess around with the world, begin to not take their spiritual life seriously. Today, not in church anywhere. Today, it's as if they have no use for God at all. Don't tell me the world's not dangerous. Don't tell me old John doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't tell me that I'm old-fashioned. I'm as old-fashioned as the Word of God. I will say what the Word of God says. I will preach what the Word of God says. Nothing more, nothing less. This is God's book for the church. We need to be warned today. Why does he warn? Why does he denounce the world? Because of what it can do to the believer. Notice what he says. In verse 16, all that is in the world. What I did in my notes here is I have my, I had to buy a bigger iPad, isn't that sad? Part of my scripture here is on a 14 font, but in in this all, I thought I'm going to put that on an 18 font. For all, I underlined it, for all that is in the world. All the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. See, the world is a defiled place. It will defile you if you'll let it. Oh, not me. Oh, yeah, you, me. Think about Lot, lost his girls. How did they learn to be immoral? Sodom. Lot's wife, we don't even know her name. I always called her Latte. Lot's wife. She turned around. She was, she, see, Lot and his family were very closely, intimately connected with some of the holiest, godliest, most blessed people on the face of the earth. Abraham, the father of our faith. But just you being associated with a church or associated with godly people or even having godly people in your family doesn't mean that you have it. You have to abide in Christ. And the Bible says that when God gave them in his mercy, he warned them. Remember this? He warned them to leave. You got to get out. The angel had to drag them out. I would have had my Adidas on sprinting out ahead of those angels. You know what I'm saying? I said, hold on. Let me get my tennis shoes on. I'm out of here, man. Many people are like Lot or like his wife. You could preach hell so hot. You could, you could preach it. You could picture it so hot that you were, they'd actually almost feel the flames. But yet they just yawn. <sighs> Why? Because they've hardened their heart. We need to be afraid of, of hell. 
There's, there's these guys today, these false antichrist, false prophets that have written whole books that they're saying there's not even a little hell anymore. That's a lie. Amen. How do I know it's a lie? Because Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone in the Bible. Right. You take out all the stuff that Jesus said about eternal hell, you don't even have much about it. He's the one that gave us to it. Our, our Savior who loves us. And the scripture says that when they came out, Lot's wife looked back. It wasn't just a look of curiosity. It wasn't just a rubbernecker, you know, seeing a wreck on, on 635 and just looking out of interest. It was a look with longing. She wanted that world. She longed for that world. Why? Because she did what John said not to do. Don't love the world. Don't let it get your affections. Don't let it get in you. To where you long for the things of this world. Think about it. Why, why, did, why did John denounce the world? Because of what it can do to, to you. What it can do to me. Think about the unholy character of the world. Here it is. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what's driving our world today. That's what's driving the movie industry. That's what's driving the advertising, the radio, the TV, the magazine, Hollywood, TV, Broadway, lock, stock, and barrel is all about lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. This is what they promote. This is what they accept. This is what they produce. This is the spirit that flows from them. Lust of the flesh, the desires of the carnal nature, the desires of fallen humanity, the lust of the eyes, how much shopping took place during Christmas because someone saw something that was attractive to their eye. See, that's how, that's how the enemy knows he can hook us. Why in the world would somebody spend millions of dollars for a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl? I can tell you, these folks don't spend that money because it doesn't bring return. They understand how humanity works in some measure. Millions of dollars. I think every year it goes up, doesn't it? Million, two million, three million dollars, 15, 30 seconds. Why? Because they know that humanity is driven by the lust of the eye. They wouldn't say it that way because they probably don't know the word of God, but they know how humanity is. The enemy wants to hook you to make something look good, but at its core, it's rotten. It looks good. But inside is full of dead men's bones. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life, boasting of what man can do, boasting of what man has. It's an unholy character. Remember this? Nebuchadnezzar had a vision, a dream. And what did he see? He saw this magnificent image. It was magnificent. Head of gold, arms and chest of silver, Belly and thighs of, was it, bronze. Legs and feet of iron and clay. And it was, it was just awed at this. But that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw. Daniel, who had the Spirit of God, saw the same thing, but in a different way. What did he see it as? Same, same material, just different way. He saw it as a ferocious beast. He saw it for what it was, a ferocious beast. That's what the world is. 
makes these young men and women, it, 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 it tries to produce the world system, tries to hook them, tries to tell them this is what you need. This is how, this is what you have to have to be accepted. This is how you have, I mean, how, 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 why do we dress like we do? Most of the time because of what we see. Oh, they're doing it. I have to do it. But is the Holy Spirit producing it or is Jesus producing it? Or is the world producing it? Are you hearing me today? Is, is, is the Holy Spirit driving us and leading us or is it the world system that's telling us what to do? You just wonder. But notice this, not only the unholy character of the world and what it can do, but notice the un, unholy cause and source of the world. Notice verse 16. And there again, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The popular thing today is to say, God created me like this, and therefore, because God created me like this, what I'm doing, even though no matter it's wicked, terrible sin, God made me this way, therefore, it's acceptable. That is a lie, according to this verse. Not of the Father. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. God is holy. God is righteous. God is truth. He would never create someone to do something evil. That comes from our own sin and our own fallen nature. We, are, we live in a fallen world. Come on, Jesus will fix it one day, but it's broken. And you say, what do we do? Do we just kind of get a hut and move up to Montana? No, we preach the gospel from this property. We declare the gospel from this property. We set up loudspeakers and we say, whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. God can deliver us from this present evil world. Galatians 1 chapter 4, verse 4. That's what the Lord has done. Why did John denounce the world? Because it has no lasting value at all. Look with me at verse 17. Just these words are very clear. The world passes away. The Lord wants us to place our interest on things that last. He wants us to pour our lives. Can I tell you what's going to last? What you're doing and what we're doing here in this church today. And what we're talking about today is going to last when all the earthly gold is gone, when all of our houses burn with a fervent heat. This gospel that we declare, and I trust that we are declaring it with the purity that it came from the Holy Spirit, not changing it, not tweaking it, not trying to fit it to the culture, not looking for acceptance from the culture. I am not looking for anyone's acceptance except Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Why? Because it has no lasting value here. The world passes away. And the lust thereof, all those desires, all those lusts that people are being driven to. That's why there's corruption. Peter said the corruption that's in the world through lust, 2 Peter 1.4. The corruption that's in the world through lust. Why are there so many broken marriages? The corruption that's driven by people's lust. Why is there so many hurts in the world? Because of people are driven by their sinful nature. Just look at your newspaper and just start thinking about all that is driven by the sinful nature. If everyone had the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't have any of that. But people are driven by this passing lust. The typical person 
gives themselves to things that won't last. The typical person gives little thought to things that really matter. But we can choose the will of God. Today, let's choose the will of God. Why? It says in verse 17, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. I choose to invest my life in things that are going to last. It's not always easy. In fact, it's usually never easy. But I choose the will of God. How about let's say that as a, and not just say it out. I'm not having you to say anything, but let's just, let's do it. Let's just say, Lord, I'm going to give, we, we are going to give ourselves to what's going to last. We're going to give our money to missions. We're going to, we were out here yesterday and, and uh, I was talking, I think it was Jim and I think Jr. was standing there. Uh, I can't think who else was standing there. I think Jason, I think you were standing there. And we were, we were working on these portables, or not part, classrooms, for our kids can learn about Jesus till we, till we build the other thing. And I, and I just said to these gentlemen, these brothers, I said, brothers, what we're doing, and I've said it to you, I'll say it again. I said, brothers, what we're doing here is not for today. See, we're looking for instant gratification. We're looking for success in a week. And, oh, God, I'm going to be faithful this week. And if you do it, oh, praise God. If not, I'm going to quit. That's not faithfulness. But I told him, I said, brothers, what we're doing here is going to matter 30 years from now. And some young pastor is going to look back. And a congregation is going to look back. And they're going to hear the stories. And they're going to say, thank God Pastor Childs was faithful. Thank God he had some faithful men that stood, and faithful women that stood. And look now, souls are being saved. A church is strong. Missions are going around the world. Missionaries are going to come out of this church. Why? Because we're investing ourselves in the will of God. We're saying we give ourselves to those things that are going to last forever. But how much of what we're doing today and I'm speaking to me, too. How much of stuff that we buy and spend and this and that, just is stuff that's just stuff. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless us. He does. But he has blessed us. Has he not blessed us? He's blessed us so much. I choose the will of God today. I choose the cross today. I choose it. I choose the cross I choose Jesus. I would rather have Jesus. So how's it go? Than silver or gold. Help me. I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'll make it up as I go. I would rather have Jesus than it, houses or land. There we go. Houses or land. I would rather be led by his nail-scarred hand. Than to be the king of a vast domain Or be held in sin's dread sway I would rather have Jesus Than anything this world affords I would rather have Jesus Than anything What we're doing 
matters. God's giving us a chance to do something that very few congregations get to do. To get a new vision, a new dream. I believe in these young people. I believe in Brandon and Ashley that are here today from where, Virginia Beach? Come on, man. Got some Virginians here. I know. I know how it is. In heart, right? I wasn't raised here, but I got here quick as I could. Come on. I give myself to this church. I give my thoughts. Every, almost every waking moment is about this church and about you. And I pray for you. I pray for you this morning. Lord, draw us together. Bless the people. Give them some nourishment from Scripture. Some of them have been discouraged. Lord, lift them up. Let them feel God today. I pray for you often. But I've learned this about pastoring in our modern day. You can only shepherd those who let you shepherd them. Some sheep have teeth and they will bite you. If you'll let me love you, I will. I've sat in hospitals with people all night long. I've sat on floor and hugged people that lost loved ones. I've driven miles and miles and miles to comfort sinful people that fell and told them to not give up. Many of them never even said a thank you. But I know this, one day I'll hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant.